This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. It's a complete lack of discipline. It was it was embarrassing what we did. Twenty five on threes you're up against in one season. Yeah, you count on maybe one hand and you're getting like two minute and a half five on threes in one game. Unacceptable. That shouldn't happen and. You know, good on Winnipeg. I, honestly, it was a really nothing game going on. That game could have been 0-0 and a shootout. You know, they stayed disciplined. Just said, sit back and wait for Tampa to screw it up, and they did. That's what happened. A little annoyed, right? Yeah. You know, probably annoyed with, with how things played out. Maybe a little more than a little annoyed. Yeah. I mean, at least what we could get from the media. I'm sure he had some interesting well, words to say. Well, it's bleeding into his post-game comments. Yeah. You know how annoyed he was. Fired when up. he is annoyed, he doesn't usually let it show when he meets with the media. Lightning coming off a 4-2 loss to the Jets on Friday, and it feels like, at least, again, for me, since they didn't play on the weekend, it just feels like an attorney since they last yeah. played when you don't have those weekend games. But you heard John Cooper talk about the performance there, and the Lightning coming back home tomorrow night to take on Columbus, maybe regrouping a little bit. And sometimes you need to do that when you uh, are on the road and you're not playing particularly well. And we're going to talk about that for the next hour. In addition to some other news items, I am Greg Linnelli, along with the radio voice of the Lightning, Dave Michigan. Steve Ersnick's our producer. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. Partner, we've been taking a lot of questions about a particular player and whether or not he is ready to return. I don't know if we have an update necessarily on the exact date of Rudy Balser's returning, but we do know mm-hmm. that he's getting closer, correct? Yeah, he's been able to go out on the ice today in a regular jersey, which means that he can have contact. He's playing with the fourth-line guys, so taking a rotation with Nemenstikov, Perry, and Belmar. That's yeah. great news. That is great news there. We've talked about that competition in the bottom six. What does it mean? I think Balsers is going to have a hand in how that's going to shape up. And, of course, Julian Brisois could work his magic at the trade deadline, too. But those are some things to keep an eye on moving forward. You know, let me just jump in here, Greg. I think it's important for Balsers to, to get well, certainly, and to play. Not just because the Lightning hope he can help them, right? That's why they claim it on waivers. But what are we, six weeks from the trade deadline, something like that? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're Julian Breezebaugh, you kind of need to know what you've got before you go and pull the trigger on a yeah. potential deal. Let's say he, he feels we need to upgrade in terms of our depth at forward. Knowing what he has in Balsers as a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning, they've scouted this guy before. He's played almost 200 games in the NHL, so he's not an unknown quantity. But you know what I'm saying? I do. Like, they want to see him play with the Lightning, which may help inform a decision that they might make at the deadline. So let's say his injury had had carried into February, where he wasn't able to come back until mid-February. Right. Yeah, that that puts Julian a little bit more of a bind in terms of, all right, I can't really assume that Balsers is going to help us. <laughs> now he can make a more informed decision. Of course, Balsers has to be in the lineup. Now the Lightning, once he is healthy, you're going to have one extra forward. So someone's going to sit. Victor Hedman's still not at practice for obvious reasons. Right. So congrats to him again. Yeah. We should, uh, you know, 
But goes into skating, though, so that's good news as well. Yeah, it is. So, you know, a little bit of a, a mixing and matching on the uh, the back end. But, you know, I, I don't know what Hetty's status would be for tomorrow. I, I would anticipate he'd, he'd play. But Yeah, know, that's, they that's, maybe just gave him the day off today. Yeah, take a few days off, be with your kids now. And it's not going to affect his conditioning, that's for sure. No, for sure. Now, he may be a little sleep-deprived. Is Aren't we all? Well. <laughs> Aren't we all at that time? Yes. But uh, it's it's good to see. And I think the Lightning need to regroup, partner. Let's get into yeah. that Winnipeg game because I think you heard John Cooper really uh, still ticked off. I, I think a lot of people are going to look at the the special teams and what we saw in that game. And, you know, as Coop said, it was a, you know, a 1-1 game. After one, it was a two-two game. After two, and you know maybe it w- there was an opportunity there to to pick up points. But the Jets go two for six on the power play partner. But I think it's how they got those two yeah. power play goals that has him upset. Well, Coop even referenced the Minnesota game as an opportunity for him to make a point of comparison and contrast. So in the Minnesota game, the Lightning got in late the night before. They had the situation where Elliott had to play back-to-back games against a rested opponent. And while he doesn't excuse a loss, like I think he was willing to give them more of a pass for that game than for the Winnipeg game where they didn't get in late the night before. And they had an opportunity to get points out of that game. And the fact that they were shorthanded six times and gave Winnipeg two long five-on-threes that led to the tying goal and then the go-ahead goal really stuck in his craw. Yeah. So before we get into the particulars of this game, I just want to point this out. In the last eight games, the Lightning have gone four and four. The four losses have all been on the road. They lost at Toronto. They lost at Detroit. That was a back-to-back. They lost in Minnesota, and they lost to Winnipeg. All regulation losses. The games against Toronto and Minnesota, the Toronto game, I think they got outplayed, mm-hmm. and that can happen. And the Minnesota game, Minnesota played well, and the Lightning had some circumstances working against them. But in the other two games, the Detroit game and the Winnipeg game, as you just mentioned, they were tied going into the third period of the Winnipeg game. Similarly, they were tied going into the third period of the Detroit game. Yeah. One thing the Lightning had done up until this last little segment here was do exceedingly well to get points out of games that were tied going into the third period. And now we have two games in which they were tied going into the third period and they lost in regulation. That is troubling. Now, the games weren't cut from the same cloth. I think Elliott had a rough third period against Detroit that hurt the Lightning, and it wasn't Vasilevsky's fault that they lost the game against Winnipeg. He was in net for two five-on-three goals against, and two of the three goals that Winnipeg scored on him were tipped, supposedly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm still looking for the, the replay that showed Dubois touched either one of those shots, but Dubois at least was screening Vasilevsky. Would have been a hell of a tip, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he got credit for both of the first two Winnipeg goals. Be that as it may, let's, let's say he got them because he deflected them, but those are, are tough saves for goaltenders. And Kyle Connor shot the puck on two of the three goals. We just mentioned like he scored 40, 
seven goals last year. Like he yeah, is he a tremendous goal scorer. He had a hat trick last night actually mm-hmm. against Vancouver. So it was a different sort of game than the Detroit game. But like if you're going to build a blueprint for like how are you going to get into the playoffs, avoid regulation losses. What's one way to avoid regulation losses? Games that are tied going into the third period, you're getting points out of those games. Yeah, the Lightning didn't do that in two of these four losses they've had in this in this ten game segment. That is two games left in it. The Lightning's record will look a lot different. Let's say they got both those games to overtime and lost them. The record would look different if we're saying four two and two in the last eight instead of four and four, right? It would. It's a small sample size. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we can get into the the Winnipeg game and what happened, but. I'm looking at this last little segment here, and the Lightning are going to have to win the last two to hit their their playoff pace. They had some bonus points in there, so they're going to still be at playoff pace even if they lose the last two. But that's why they're kind of scrambling to get to 12 points in this 10-game segment because they've dropped some close games in regulation. Two of them, anyway. Yeah, yeah. they have, and there's an opportunity to do that. It's it's not a gimme, but it's there is an opportunity to do that against Columbus tomorrow. But the Lightning are going to have to be disciplined. You know, that's the one equalizer when you face Tampa Bay is that if you can make it a special teams battle from the standpoint that the Lightning are on the PK a bit more than they'd like, it, it narrows the gap in terms of uh, talent level between the two teams. So, like a team like Columbus who is, you know, not as talented as Tampa Bay. You take a look at where they are in the standings. How can they have a competitive game against the Lightning? I mean, there are a few factors, but one of them is special teams. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, especially five on three, I mean, those are playing with fire. I mean, we always heard Phil Esposito, and he still does, talk about, you know, look, you got to score on a five on three. If you don't, you should lose the game. You yeah. know, And, it's and Winnipeg had two chances and scored That's what on I mean. both of them. That's what yeah. I mean. It's crazy. I mean, you give them two chances, and Winnipeg has some really talented players. We know they got a bunch of guys returning for that game, and I think they just won their last game, too. Uh, yeah, 7-4. So yeah, so maybe they're, they're going to start to pick it up a little bit when you start talking about Building off of where they were heading into that game against the Lightning, but I but they've I had a good year, Greg. I mean, they have. They're, they're they bumping have. Dallas for first place in the division. They are. they are. They are bumping. It's it's a crowded, it's a crowded situation, but they are getting some separation. Kyle Connor is one of the best snipers in the game. That you probably, I think, fans to our show know who he is, but he's I, I think he's a little underrated mm-hmm. uh, as well. I think he's an elite goal scorer for sure, but. I think the Lightning, you know, you take a look at that game, partner. They outshoot Winnipeg. They win the faceoff battle. And I think if you were just to look at the stats, and especially when we said it was a tie game heading into the third, I think you'd feel pretty good that the Lightning were going to come away with points in that game, just based off of some of the other statistics that uh, the Lightning finished with at the end of that game. Well, the Lightning had a huge statistical advantage Five on five, and I would even say even strength, even though they gave up a four-on-four goal. It was their first four-on-four goal allowed in a game this year. That was the yeah. the goal that tied the game at one. That was a big goal for Winnipeg because Winnipeg was was getting outplayed in the first period, and the Lightning had a one nothing lead. But the Jets had a total of 11 even-strength shots. You take away the goal that they scored in the four-on-four, which I believe is their only four-on-four shot. They had 10 five-on-five shots for the entire game, which tells you that the Lightning limited their opportunities. Now, they had some looks that did not turn into shots on goal. 
They had some tic-tac-toe plays. Maybe not tic-tac-toe plays, but they had some some chances off the rush where guys missed the puck, basically. Yeah. So there were some looks there that aren't going to come through on the stat sheet where the Lightning maybe had a little bit of a breakdown. In fact, this didn't lead to a shot, but it was a big play. The Jets had a two-on-one. They had two two-on-ones. The second one did have shots, but... The first two-on-one that I'm talking about and thinking of happened in the second period when Foote took the penalty on Shifley. So the Jets didn't get a shot out of that, but that was a chance five-on-five that led to a penalty in the Lightning, and then Nick Paul gets the high-sticking minor. That was the first five-on-three. The second five-on-three started when the Jets had another two-on-one. Early in the third, and Ehlers actually had two shots yeah. on net. Right. Two of their ten five-on-five shots came on that one rush. Yeah. And then Stamkos cross-checks him. Now, was it a flagrant cross-check? It wasn't. Did Stamkos not like the call? No. But you're giving the refs an opportunity to call it if you hit a guy in the back. He felt Ehlers sold it. I think the Lightning might have felt Shifley sold the one with foot. But here's the thing. Foot takes his hand off the stick. He's behind the guy on a two-on-one. If the guy falls down, they're going to call it. And I think Coop was annoyed that, like, his comments didn't make it seem like he felt the penalties weren't warranted. Some of them might have been judgment calls by the officials, but the officials called it because the Lightning gave them an opportunity to call it. And the high sticks that were called, there were two of them, actually, and the one on Paul proved to be very costly. That was literally 200 feet from the Lightning's net. It was behind the Winnipeg net. Paul's battling for a puck while shorthanded. Got his stick up. And and that's probably one the Lightning need to avoid. Certainly, if you're shorthanded, even if you're battling, keep your stick down. And then the Nemetsnikov one, puck out of play, that's automatic. So I'm not sure that Coop really had an issue with any of the calls that were made. Kind of no-brainers in some way. Yeah, kind of no-brainers. On the Lightning. Right. He was more annoyed that his team put itself in the position to get called. Now, Kyle Connor got away with an egregious interference penalty that wasn't called, which I was getting worked up about in the booth because you see all these calls going one way, and they were warranted. But then the other team makes a play that is an egregious penalty that led to a scoring chance, a grade-A chance for Nate Schmidt. Vassy makes an incredible save. And then Foote, in the post-whistle scrum, gets the extra penalty tied up with Dubois. That was very annoying that the officials missed that pick that Connor put on Colton. Colton was the one who was picked. But that doesn't change... The calls that were made on the Lightning, yep. the calls that were made on the Lightning were penalties. And you know if you're down one, like you have to be careful not to get another penalty. Yeah. And the Lightning twice took that second penalty, and the Jets were like, thank you very much. Right. Is it still December 25th? We'll take that. Thank you. It's we'll take point. a five on three for yeah, a minute 54 right. and a 2-2 I mean, game. In the third period. And then on that second five on three, Sergachev breaks his stick. So Sorelli gives his stick to Sergachev, and how's the goal scored? Shifley threads a cross ice to Connor for a one timer past Sorelli, who doesn't have his stick. Yep. 
Maybe if he has a stick, he blocks that pass. That was bad luck. But they were ready in, shall we say, deep waters at that point. Down two men for almost two full minutes. It's it's almost unheard of. You know, <laughs> I go back a little bit, and it, it wasn't obviously the exact same scenario, but there was a... It was an Eastern Conference final between Pittsburgh and Washington. Ian Cole was actually part of this, which was interesting. Where, like, Washington had consecutive five-on-three opportunities. It was just it was. I remember ridiculous. that. Do you remember I remember that? that, yeah. And I think Cole actually in that game had a delay, um, delay of game where he was on the PK and he launches the puck from his own zone out of play and then Washington goes back on the five on three and it was just a weird yeah. scenario and I, I just think anytime that happens once in a game it's a little unusual twice I think it's something that you have to power through but it's really hard to do so I think you're right I think Cooper looked at it and was more annoyed by just also too the circumstances that that happened and then the Lightning putting themselves in a situation because there were opportunities to get points in that game, and I think he's, absolutely, I think he's disappointed in that. It, it doesn't mean the Lightning are in danger of making the playoffs. Far from it. I think they still have what partner seven point lead on Buffalo at least for third place in the Atlantic. Right. I mean, we always should take a look at the teams below you in the standings. Yeah, and the Lightning are still even if they lose their last two games in this ten game segment. Yeah, they're still ahead of playoff pace, but they have a chance to to build back up the cushion they had entering this ten game segment and the next ten game segment is going to be a tough one. It might yeah. be their toughest 10-game segment of the regular season, just the way it's falling in the schedule, because they play the first five on the road in five different cities. Yep. That's that five-game road trip. So I think it would behoove them to take care of business here in these two home games. For against sure. two teams that are out of the playoffs right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. So if anybody wants to react to that and what they saw, they can. The other part of the game... Greg, that, yeah. that I think was a big part of the game was. So leading up to Connor's goal to make it 3-2 Winnipeg, the Lightning had had one power play and didn't score on it. So at that point, power plays were 6-1 to one Winnipeg because after Connor scored, they, they started the back end of their, their five on three. That's when Wheeler took a horrendous goalie interference penalty. I mean, the Lightning could have made the Jets really sure. pay for that. No doubt. That was a horrible penalty for Wheeler to take because it gave the Lightning an opportunity to get the goal right back, which they didn't. That's my point. They had three power plays, including the one that was shortened because Wheeler took it with the Jets still in the power play. So he had four and four and then a shorter Lightning power play. But they still had a power play, and Sorelli almost scored in the four-on-four. Four. Like right at the beginning of the four-on-four, four, Hellebuck made a really good save on him. From, from the top of the crease, Sorelli had a chance. They had that power play. Then they had a subsequent power play later in the third period. And then they had the final power play with just under two minutes left. They pull Vasilevsky, so they have a two-man advantage. I know it's with the net empty, but they had a six-on-four for almost, if they had not allowed the empty net goal, two minutes. And unlike the Jets, they didn't get the job done. Right. They had three power play chances with an opportunity to tie the game and didn't get the job done. So the point. Jets decisively won the special teams battle. And, of course, they got the empty net candy, which, you know, is a shorthanded goal, which was 
not a great goal for the Lightning to allow. Right. Where where their guy, Morgan Barron, outraces two Lightning players to get to the puck and scores on a wraparound. Be that as it may, though, we can say, you know, the Lightning gave up the two long five on threes and they gave up goals on both of them. If they had done anything on their own power play, maybe they do get points out of this game. So give the Jets credit for how they killed the penalties that they took. It doesn't happen often. We'd have to go back and look at it that a team beats the Lightning in the special teams department. I mean, they're they're pretty solid in those opportunities. Yeah. And you mentioned the power play. You know how much of that? You know, was Victor Hedman not in the lineup? I who knows? I mean, I'm sure you, you take an elite player like that out of it, you have yeah. to to figure it out. But they the Lightning have elite players up and down that lineup too, and it's not like guys who are taking the place of Hedman didn't have that experience either. So I think. A, probably a good way to put it was more of a frustrating loss yes, for a it lot was of very different frustrating. reasons. Yeah, and I, I want to give credit to Winnipeg. They played well, for Two sure. of their guys saved goals, too. Dubois, they did. They did. with his glove, I mean, he didn't cover the puck with his glove or, or close his hand to the puck. That would have been a penalty. But late second, it looked like a Cole shot that was deflected at the side of the net was fluttering in, and Cole, I'm sorry, Dubois batted it away. And then during one of those power plays in the third for the Lightning, Stamkos had a couple of close-range attempts. Hellebuck made a save, and then the second one looked like it might have been going in, but Dylan DeMello swept it off the goal line. Those are two big plays by Winnipeg. Heck yeah, for sure. So I think you give them credit. I think the Lightning, what's disappointing, they left some points to be had in a game like that, and I think mm-hmm. anytime that happens, when there's a lot of parity in today's game, you have a tendency to look at that. Maybe a little bit more, but... I think a good time for the Lightning to regroup. Probably, you know, we've been down this road before where you don't have maybe the results you would like on a road trip. Kind of clear your head a little bit, and now you're back home. And let's see if the Lightning can maybe string a couple of wins together before they head back on the road. I think that's at least the hope. Yes. And then we can see what happens, you know, moving forward. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. Partner, do you want to get back into something, too? Well, I was just going to talk about Columbus. So since the Lightning have played... Did Columbus play back-to-back? These games are running together. I know they played last night. So they beat Carolina in Columbus. It's a good win. <laughs> two games ago. Yeah. So Carolina Carolina played two games against Nashville and Columbus. They had 67 shots against Nashville and lost 4-3 to because UC Cyrus made 64 saves. Mm. And... I'm going to get the stats here before I say it. They badly outshot Columbus. Columbus got a goalie win. Essentially, it was in a shootout. Let me find the day that they played. Yeah, that was So the Blue Jackets played, yeah. So they played back-to-back. Columbus played Saturday at home against Carolina. And then they played Sunday in Washington. The shots in the Carolina game, Carolina-Columbus Sunday, 42-18 to Carolina. And Columbus won 4-3 to in a shootout. Kirill Marchenko, who scored against the Lightning in the last meeting between the Lightning and Blue Jackets. That was the Lightning win, but Marchenko did score Big game, right? Big game. He had a hat trick. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, rookie had a hat trick against Carolina. So Carolina, (laughs) I don't even know what you make of those games. So what's 67 and 42? That's 109 shots in six periods plus overtime. And they got one point out of those games, which is extremely difficult to do. And then last night, Columbus went to Washington 
and got shut out one nothing, and they outshot the Capitals 38-19. What does that tell you, though? Well, that tells me that against Carolina, a team that can just suffocate you and dominate yeah. you, like they got outshot badly and they got a great goaltending performance. But against Washington, a team that's been playing quite well in Washington, in the second half of back-to-back, they outshot the Capitals 2-1 to one and lost because... I'll see who was in net for Washington. It was Kemper had a fantastic goaltending performance. And even in net for, for Columbus, it was Merzlikens. I mean, he didn't face a ton of shots, but he only allowed one goal. Let me see who was in net for that Hurricanes game. I'm guessing it was Corpusalo, unless they played Merzlikens back-to-back. No, it yeah. was Corpusalo. So Corpusalo had the goalie steal, essentially, against Carolina, and Merzlikens right. had a really good game as well. So what I'm saying is that whether you feel that if not for Corpusalo, Carolina would have blown out Columbus, be that as it may, like Columbus gave two teams that are currently in playoff position in the East two pretty good games. But I think the Lightning are going to come in pretty hungry and determined tomorrow. The Lightning do not like losing, period, and they do not like losing back-to-back games. And to this point, it's happened three times this year, and they have not lost three in a row in regulation to this point this year. I think that will be very much squarely, like, on on the the dry erase board, their focus, however you want to put it, Yeah. when they play the Blue Jackets tomorrow. And they're not going to look ahead, but they are aware that this two-game homestand is a brief respite off the road. Meaning that whether they had swept this three-game road trip they just finished or lost the last two like they did, like you wanna you wanna cash in when you're at home, when you have a road-heavy schedule. So look, however you wanna put it, they lost two in a row in regulation. They don't have a lot of home games here. They're playing two teams, Columbus and Vancouver, that are below the playoff cut line and have had, by any measure, really bad years. Right. You might say these are games the Lightning need to win. However you want to frame it, the Lightning, I think, are going to look to try and get back on the winning side and take care of business starting tomorrow. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. You mentioned the the amount of shots that Columbus put up the last couple of games. Well, the one and, game. Well, the one game. And, yeah, and against Washington. It, it, it just, when you look at their numbers, you feel like they should be a bit better offensively. But, like, Johnny Gaudreau is tied with Boone Jenner for the most goals on that team, Dave, with 11. Mm-hmm. You know they've got Line. He's been he's been nicked up a little bit this year. Obviously, Nyquist is. I don't know if you'd call him a goal scorer, but he's somebody that that has some goals to his resume that you can kind of count on. But they're a team that they probably have to hope that players like Marchenko come in and can score a little bit more because at least right now they can pepper you with as many shots as possible. I, I guess yeah. it just depends on who's shooting that puck. They don't have a lot of great goal scorers. And that could be one of the reasons they've, you know, they've run into some games where maybe they've outplayed the opponent, but how many goals are they scoring? And it, has that been a little bit of a problem? Obviously, I think when they brought in Goudreau, they were hoping for more. And I, I think he's been pretty good, right? He's almost a point per game, but he's a minus 17. Take that for what it is. Yeah. And when you're losing a lot, you're going to It's going to happen. Players. They it's don't gonna... have Zach Wierenski, and you hate to say it's all about one guy, but he is a very important part of what they can do offensively, especially in the power play. You pull him out, that's going to have an impact. That is 
for sure. I mean, he's he's an elite player in this league, yep. and they don't have him. So we'll see we'll see how it uh, transpires tomorrow night at Amelie Arena at Bolts Radio. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can. I want to ask you, Greg, something I asked Please Ed do. and Cena, who joined us on Friday, and get your thoughts. And I'll 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 kind of feed you with what I'm thinking, but I'm feed curious it. to hear what what you have to say about it. So we're we're basically halfway through the season right now, and as we look at the standings, the Lightning I would say are comfortably in third place. I just mentioned they're already at playoff pace. They're going to be at playoff pace halfway through the year. All right? Yep. So you can check that box. Are we going to have one of these teams in the Atlantic below the Lightning make things uncomfortable for the Lightning in case they have a little bit of a dip? Or if it's not the Lightning, is there going to be a team in the Atlantic that makes some of these wild card teams in the Metro? Because right now you have basically six teams in the Metropolitan jockeying for five spots because the Atlantic teams are below them, essentially. And I asked Ed, is there a team that kind of has caught your eye that can that can make either the Lightning uncomfortable or maybe some of these Metro teams, whether you want to say it's the Islanders or yeah. the Rangers or the Penguins or whoever's in the wild card for the Metro, like what if only four teams from the Metro get in of the six, right? So I think it's Buffalo. I was you're, impressed with Buffalo. You're on Buffalo. You're on the Buffalo. I'm on Buffalo. Okay. I'm I on like Buffalo. It. I like it. Yeah, and, and part of it is Buffalo, but part of it is what I'm seeing from the other teams. So I was impressed with Buffalo when we played, when we saw the Sabres, we played. When the Lightning yeah. played the Sabres. Sure. And I was really impressed with with their young talent offensively, but like we didn't see Darlene in the first meeting because he was he was nicked up. But he is having a heck of a year. He had five points for the Sabers last night, and I think we were both impressed with Owen Power, who's a young player, but but no he's doubt. playing a lot. And that game that Darlene missed, Power played I think close to thirty minutes in that game. The Lightning need uh, needed a ferocious rally in Buffalo, down five three out of the last TV time, out of the third period, to get back in that game, which they did, and they ended up winning in overtime. But, you know, the Sabres, what are they, 8-2 and two in their last 10? Like, they had a dip in November, but they started well, and after they came out of their dip, they've been rolling. So I think they have a swagger of a team that isn't going to slow down. Now, I don't know if they're going to do enough to get back into the mix closely enough, like you just mentioned, the Lightning have a seven-point lead on them. And whether it's the Lightning or whether it's some of these wild-card teams remains to be seen. But look at the other teams. Like, has Detroit really made the push that a lot of people thought they were going to this year? I'm not certain that they have. They just lost back-to-back games at home to Florida and at Toronto. Are the Panthers going to figure things out this year? They had a big road win in Detroit, and they just lost to Dallas. Because when you get off to a, a mediocre start, and by start I mean the first half of the year, going 500 is not good enough. You need to do basically what the Sabres are doing, which is winning like 8 out of 10 regularly. And I guess I'm, I'm wondering 
do you have a different take or are you in agreement with me that if there is going to be a team from the Atlantic that makes the second half push, it's going to be Buffalo? Or do you are you rosier on some of these other teams and, and less rosy on Buffalo? Or are you not rosy on any of them? And you're just like, the Metro a, is going to rule the roost here. Yeah, I, I think I'm leaning towards that. But if you're forced, and you're not, but if you're asking me, Below Tampa Bay, who's currently in third place, is there another team that can jump into this conversation? Buffalo, for sure, is the one that's playing the best. I just, I have a hard time thinking the Florida Panthers are going to be this way the whole year. Now, maybe they are. And it's probably more about me believing after what we saw last year that this is who Florida is this year. So I have to acknowledge that they have not played well through 40 games and that through 40 games, at this point, you probably are who you are unless a team like the Panthers can have a major turnaround. Now, can they more so than any other teams below the lightning in the standings? I think it's in them. Like I have a hard time thinking a team with Matthew Kachuk and what he's doing is going to allow his team not to get into the playoffs. But you know what? Here they are. And it's, it's, you are who you are at this point. So my answer probably would be five from the Metro at this point. Right. I don't know if I'm a believer yet in Buffalo. From a team defense standpoint? I like think you feel just in general. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, you know, their, their goaltender has been really good this year. But is that going to hold up the rest of the way? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I think it's more of, what's interesting is you can make the case for Buffalo and Florida. The same belief, it's just different outcome. Like, I, I, I kind of refuse to believe Florida's going to be this bad, and I, I, maybe I, I kind of refuse to believe that Buffalo's going to continue this trajectory just because they haven't done it before. Right. I think it's more about that. Now, if they do, that's kudos to them. But if you had to ask me, and maybe it's the way of answering this question appropriately, because I, maybe I don't believe in Buffalo, and, and maybe I just have to accept the fact this is who Florida is, that it's going to be five from the Metro. Well, it may be five from the Metro. I'm not saying that Buffalo is definitely going to insert itself in there. I was just looking at it and saying, of the teams below the Lightning, which team has the best shot? Yeah. Which is, I guess, how I asked the question of you as well. But, you know, if you look at the standings, you know, the Sabres have a two-point lead on the Panthers, but they played four fewer games. Yeah. I mean, just looking at the math for Florida, know, as we I say, know. like they need to make up ground and they need to leapfrog teams because yeah. those Metro teams are going to be playing each other, which means that one team may be losing in regulation. Maybe not. Maybe it's going to go to overtime. The Devils and Rangers just played a game that went to overtime. So the Rangers lost, but they got a point. Yep. But one of those teams is getting two points. That's where it becomes tough to make up ground. Oh, yeah. Teams are playing each other. You know for sure one of those teams is getting two points. Right. So what you do at best, you're going to keep pace with that team. Yeah. And if one team falls off the, the cliff, let's say, goes like one and nine, all right, so maybe you pass them, but you still have to pass the other teams. When you're, you know, 12th and you need to get to eighth, it's not good enough to have one team fall off the cliff. 
Yep. You need a few teams to really dip, and you need to get super hot. So, I mean, some of it I'm basing on, like, where teams are as we speak today. But I think I think it's clear that Florida is still trying to figure out its new identity. Yeah. Whereas Buffalo, which didn't add as many new players as the Panthers, or at least significant players, and they didn't bring in a new head coach. It's the same head coach they had last year. I think they are building. Right. That's the difference to me. I think Florida is trying to come out of the haze a little bit, and I think Buffalo is gaining momentum. Yeah. Now, I may be proven wrong. If they go, like, four and six in the next ten games, then then you can say, well, you know, you were you were rosy on them for, for the wrong reason or inaccurately. But, you know, they were down late to Minnesota. We just saw Minnesota. Minnesota's a good team. They beat them in overtime. Yeah. Yep. For sure, for sure. I mean, some they, of these teams, they won in Boston. Yeah, again in overtime. But I mean, look, they've they've had some quality wins recently. They have, they have. It's a good question. You know, we can probably throw it out there to our audience yeah. if they want to react to it. Do the fans Radio. think that that five teams from the Metro are getting in? And even then, you're probably looking at a game of musical chairs. Right now, the Islanders have fallen out of the the wild card, but you know they're on a long road trip. I mean, that can happen to you. Islanders are out west, right? Playing the Canadian teams. I think they had a big win in Edmonton. Am I remembering that right? I think you're right. They had a win in right, Edmonton, yeah. but then they lost to Vancouver. So, yeah. you know, it's not easy. That's what the Lightning have coming up. The thing about the Metro, maybe, and in, in, again, my thinking in some ways with the the Florida Panthers is just, I mean, I, I always, I have liked the Islanders team. Over the years, I haven't necessarily liked them a ton when they get to the playoffs because I do think game breakers, goaltending. I mean, you, you've heard my list as why, and I think sometimes yeah. that's a tough matchup. But I think in terms of the regular season partner, they're one of those teams that I, I, I really like them in the regular season because I think through an 82 game season, the way they play, there aren't many streaks where they're not going to be picking up points. It's just where I am. And I'll tell you who's not playing well is Pittsburgh. And you they can beat make a Arizona. Hard- they did, but you can make a hard day. argument. Do do teams who are considered playoff-like teams have not one but two losing streaks of six-plus or more games? I mean, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. So I, I, I don't know. I know they've had some injuries. There could be some teams in the Metro that come back to earth a little bit. And look, can we say that Jersey's been a surprise this year? Yeah, for how well they started, I think. You know, remember you... they had that dip, yeah. right around Christmas, and we were like, "Boy, this is a lot closer than than we thought." Well, they've they've since kind of pulled themselves back up a little bit. They have, you know, they're they're back to you know right being in the middle there of the the metro race. Washington, I think, has been a bit of a surprise. I the they thing have about surprised it is, me. Yeah, because when we saw them at the start of the year, at least talking with John Walton, he's like. Backstrom's out. Oshie's out. Carlson. Well, Carlson Wilson's wasn't out, out but now right? Carlson. Wilson's out. Now Wilson and Backstrom just yeah. came back. And that's but the a big Gaps deal. have been very impressive. That's been a that's been an impressive run for them. Well, because they were way way below. And listen, sometimes incorporating, sometimes incorporating newer players. And when I say newer, guys who have been injured into the lineup, it's not always a gimme that you're going to win games. Just because you get guys back, especially who are elite yeah. players. But I'll say this. If those players get back to being somewhat 
dominant like we've seen over the years. And I've told you before about Tom Wilson. I think he can be uh, one of the more impactful players in today's game, not necessarily because of his goal-scoring prowess. I mean, he's a decent goal scorer for sure. But the way he forechecks and the way he can change the game physically, that's one of those teams, partner, where they, they kept their head above water for a decent amount of time and did well. And now they're starting to get reinforcements, which should feel like a bunch of acquisitions at the trade deadline that are supposed to help you. Mm-hmm. That could be a team that just stays where they are and gets better. Here's what I will say, though. The injuries that Wilson and Backstrom dealt with were not insignificant. Correct. So I, I think there was some concern as to whether Backstrom would be able even able to play. What was it? Was it hip? Yeah, I think so. It was a hip. So look, he's him. back, and we'll see. We'll see how. I mean, he's going to be productive on their power play for sure because he's such a smart, gifted player. But we'll see where his body is, basically. Right. And Wilson, Wilson is not going to retire from from his injury. But an ACL injury, I mean, it's it's more rare in hockey than it is in football. But what you hear about a lot of these knee injuries is like it's almost the first year that you come back, you're working your way back to to tip top form essentially. We'll see. I mean, we'll see how they how they're able to play and and to your point like a Tom Wilson that is working his way back to the guy he was before in terms of how he moves around the ice is still a a a handful for the other team. For sure. He's an imposing figure. He's an imposing for figure. For sure. And and you know, whether he's throwing his body around as violently as he typically does coming off this injury right off the bat, I don't know. What I'm saying is that's a team where maybe you felt like, you know what, I didn't expect them to be where they were because of age and injuries. The fact that they've kept their head above water and now are getting some of those elite players back, you wonder if they're a team that you have to keep up there. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, they're going to have to prove it. And it's not like they have a huge gap on the teams behind them. But but just what I said about trying to catch teams when you're behind them yeah and you have a bunch of teams ahead of you that might be playing each other you can benefit by being ahead of those teams too like washington now has put itself in a more advantageous position so that when two teams behind them play you know that one of those teams is not getting two points yeah maybe zero well and the other thing too is at what point and we always have this question when it comes to the lightning not a ton but especially when they get off to a slower start or, you know, when you start getting into the trade deadline talks about, you know, what team do you have after 45, 50 games? We're about basically, what, 40, 40 games in. We're, we're halfway through. Mm-hmm. Do you have to, for the very reason we just talked about the Florida Panthers and, you know, maybe some teams like the Buffalo Sabres, bring it to the Metro. At this point, do we have to look at the Devils and say, okay, they're part of this conversation. They're here to stay from here on out. Well, look, they've played 40 games, and they're at 53 points. So if we go by their playoff pace, they are right where they need to be. Yeah. Washington's one point back, but the Capitals have played three more games. They have. So, like, there there are opportunities there for the Devils to to extend their gap over Washington. Let me give you one other team that I am I'm surprised. I'll use the word surprised. Colorado. Colorado surprised me. Look, I know they've had a lot of injuries. I mean, has Landis Gog even played this year? I feel like he has been out. 
he's the been whole out for, year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, maybe he has. Maybe he's played a little bit. I should check their last game and 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 see where he's at. McKinnon was out for a while. He is now back. In fact, he scored a highlight real goal. They had a comeback win, I think, against Edmonton the other night. That was very impressive. But the math is starting to get pretty nerve-wracking for the Avs. And they're currently in ninth in the West. So they are behind the two wild-card teams. They could catch either one of those wild-card teams. I'm not saying that they're like in deep, deep trouble to miss the playoffs, but would you have thought at the halfway point that the Avs would be out of a playoff spot after winning the Stanley Cup last year? No, for and sure. And here's the thing. So they have they have they're well within range of getting back into the wild card, one of the wild card spots. The third place team in their division is Minnesota. And they're within a stone's throw of Minnesota. But first and second, good luck. Mm-hmm. Dallas and Winnipeg are 11 and 10 points, respectively, ahead of the Avs. I'm going to say this right now. I will be surprised if the Avalanche catch either one of those teams. Now, maybe they're going to be the, like the Lightning, and it's just like the last couple of years, the Lightning finished third in their division. didn't really matter. Like They still made it out of the division because once right. you got to a playoff series, they prove to be a very hard out, right? And, right. and even though they didn't have home ice, they won those series to to get out of their division, essentially. But this is uncomfortable territory. That's how I would put it. This is uncomfortable territory for Colorado, and count me surprised that they are where they are at this point. And if it doesn't, again, reinforce... How incredible this run has been for the Lightning these last few years. Not just what they've done in the playoffs, but being able to basically put themselves... They have not been in an uncomfortable position, I think, in, in either of the last two regular seasons. Would you agree? I, coming, I would... off, coming off championships. And this year, coming off a finals appearance, yeah. a loss, like they put themselves in a much better spot than Colorado, that's for sure. It's again. It's it's probably more mental than anything else. Do you? I, I almost well. They refuse, have had injuries, but I, I think so too. And I refuse to believe a team like that is not going to make the playoffs. And they may. Yeah, but, and I don't know how good they'll be if they get in. Yeah, but you you don't want to discount somebody and what they've done for the very simple reason I'm not giving as much credit to Buffalo because I haven't seen it before. I've seen it from Colorado, so I expect them to be there when it's all said and done. And maybe that's not a, the right way to look at it. You know, it's it's almost one yeah. of those things. If you've done it, I'm more inclined to believe you. You know, I don't well, know. The other problem for Colorado is I mentioned they're ninth, but yeah. their division is way deeper than, let's say, I mean, their division is kind of like the Metro, except yeah. it's in the West, because right behind them are St. Louis and Nashville. Right. Either one of those teams could jump ahead of Colorado. Right. Which is a problem not only with the wild card, but also finishing the top three in the division. Right. Colorado needs to play at, if not a championship level, I think they need to play at an elite level in the second half. Or else they are going to be like dealing with some white knuckle scenarios as we had into March and April. Yep. Lightning haven't seen them yet, as we know. They're going to play them twice in a short period of time 
in February, right? That is correct. That is correct. That'll be interesting. Well, that's a good question though you had. Because I, I think it is fair to start looking at these teams a little closer that maybe you had some questions on. Mm-hmm. You know? And for the Lightning, let's circle back here before we sign off. I, I don't know... Landis Scott has not played. I mean, like, I'm just looking at their last box score. So he is still out. As is Nachushkin. I, I remember seeing that he's hurt as well. Right. Remember how good he was in the in the oh, final last he year? He was. Sorry. He was. Go ahead. No, you're fine. I just I think with the Lightning, they're in a pretty good spot when you ask deficiencies with the team or what are the strengths. They have some questions, but not like Colorado. You know, they've got some questions, but not like even Buffalo to an extent because of the experience. Yeah. You know, I think the Lightning are still in a pretty good spot considering it's been a little bit of an up and down year. I mean, it's it's been mostly consistent, but they've they've had some they've had some bumps, but the bumps have been not as big or rough, I think, that some right. of these other teams like okay, like Colorado, like Pittsburgh. Like the Florida Panthers, part of those are three teams that you would say, yeah, they're going to the playoffs every year. And yeah, you maybe would think a, maybe yeah. there's a question they don't get in. Maybe there's a legitimate question about that. Well, your buddy in Pittsburgh, who you had on when the Lightning and Penguins played the third game of the year for the yeah. Lightning, was not as optimistic about the no. Penguins prospects. He felt that they didn't do enough to address problems during the offseason. But I think he even felt they would make the playoffs right. and then just not go very far. Which is what they've done the last four years. And they may make the playoffs. Like, we're, we're still – we have so much runway left in front right. of us. But you can start to see which teams are in, like, the crowded lanes, right? Yeah. What's helped the Lightning – so you said up and down year for the Lightning. They have not had any long losing streaks, knock on wood, at least through the first half. They haven't. Right. And they have benefited by the fact that their division has underwhelmed. Yep. I mean, Boston and Toronto haven't underwhelmed. But remember after the first 10 games and everyone was like, oh, Detroit, oh, Ottawa, oh, Buffalo. Like, Buffalo, okay. <laughs> they, are, they, are, they are the most viable of those teams at yeah. this point. And I'm like, that's a 10-game segment. Let's see yep. where they are after 20 games or 30 games. And like, math has showed us. And the history has told us that getting to 96 points through 80 games is no small feat. Yep. You need to hit that pace every single segment. Or if you have a bad segment, you need to have a couple of exceptional segments to make up that ground. And guess what? Those teams, after they all started fairly well through 10 games, have fallen off. Montreal has fallen off. Ottawa fell off. Buffalo had a dip which now yep. has put the Sabres basically in, in serious catch-up mode. Florida has not done that well. Yep. Am I forgetting a team? I'm forgetting a team. Detroit. Detroit has been middling this year. Right. They've beaten the Lightning twice. but So I think the Lightning have benefited, and some of that is their own doing because they've beaten some of these teams head-to-head. Like Buffalo and Montreal and Florida, they've lost to Detroit. In fact, those five teams, the only team the Lightning have lost to so far this year is Detroit. They're undefeated against all the other teams, so they help yeah. themselves in that regard. But they don't have anybody breathing down their neck, unlike 
the Colorado situation. Colorado's like, all right, we need to catch these teams, but we got to watch out for these teams right behind us too. Correct. And I think Pittsburgh and the Rangers and the Islanders, and we'll even throw in the Capitals, based on their games played, like they're not in a secure position. They have to worry about the teams behind them as well. Yep. It's fascinating, really, when you look at it. But that's kind of where we are today. The, parody the league loves game. this stuff too. <laughs> oh, I mean, man. they're going to have these close races. Listen, you and I had this conversation. I think we we brought it back when Dave Randorf was on it. He loved it, and I forget where you came down on it. And I was more of the opinion, eh, you know what? I kind of like it when you had the the big boys. Basically, mm-hmm. you knew who they were, and you didn't have a bunch of. I don't remember that. Dave said he liked the parody. I think he, I think he just loved the fact that there were so many teams that had a chance to get into okay. the playoffs. Yeah, and I, 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 it's not a bad, it's not a bad thing to do. I mean, we could go back and is today's game better from that perspective than it was when you had? And I always go back to Colorado and Detroit when they were the teams that were really, yeah, dominating the. I guess you could say what the mid nineties. Well, you how know? do people feel about the Lightning? Do people? People either love what the Lightning have done, or they don't like. Like they like rooting against the Lightning because this team has done so well. But it's definitely like no pun intended here a Lightning rod when you have a team that you know why it's a Lightning rod because quite frankly people can't get over what the Lightning did with Nikita Kucherov (laughs) putting him on IR. I mean that honestly that's unfortunately one of the things you take away from this run that the Lightning have been on is the fact that they've won back to back. They made three straight Stanley Cups, but they also kind of use the rules to their advantage, putting a player on IR and not having to deal with the salary cap implications. That all being said, uh, the Lightning operated within the rules of the game, and you had a legitimate player who was out. I don't want to rehash that, but I, I mm-hmm. think those are a couple of things that come to mind. I think that's why what you have to do when you take a look at what the Lightning have done, you have to put them on that same pedestal with the teams of the mid-'90s, whether that's Colorado or Detroit whomever you want to throw that way, uh, even a little bit before then, the teams that won multiple cups in a row because of this parity. And it's so much harder, I think, to do what they've done over the last you know couple of years. So I don't know. I think it's, it's one of those things that the league loves it, for sure. I don't know how great it is. I don't want to say from a competitive standpoint, but just you do want to reward greatness in many ways and allowing more teams who may be a bit mediocre to get in i don't know like it's it's apples to oranges because the nfl is so popular but the nfl this year there's a lot of mediocrity you know there's a lot of teams who are getting into the playoffs who are you know 500 and and not typically very good but I think most leagues are going to take multiple teams being in it at the end of the regular season than they would maybe last year, Dave. Is, is this a good way to say it, where it was basically decided in January? Like, did the, did the season feel, I don't want to say not important, or as important for those teams who were in the Eastern Conference that basically in January we didn't see much shuffling in the in the yeah. standings, did we? And it maybe felt like a long a long year for us because we were just like, get to the playoffs. Get to the playoffs. We know who's going to be in the playoffs. It's just a matter of seeding. I don't know. Maybe it does. But the one thing the NHL has created with the cap 
and I think a lot of talent coming in through the ranks if, is they've created an environment where I don't know if it takes five or six years for a team to completely rebuild. I mean, I think it could be a couple of years. You get the right player. You get some goaltending. I think the salary caps allow teams the, a mm-hmm. quicker opportunity to be more competitive. And also having some success, maybe not the ultimate success, but having some success and then learning from that experience can help accelerate the process. It doesn't always happen that way. A team sure. can can do well, make the playoffs, and then maybe the next year they don't make the playoffs, yeah. so they go out early. You would like to think, let's use the Rangers as an example. The Rangers last year took a huge step forward, had a great playoff run. You would like to think that they can build off of that because they had success, but they find themselves in a dogfight this year just to make the playoffs. They do. It's a good point. We'll see how it plays out. Partner, great job. As always, we're going to knock it around again a little tomorrow Mm -hmm. as we get set for Lightning and Blue Jackets. Lightning and Blue Jackets, yep. Be a lot of fun. All right, he is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linelli. Thanks to Steve Ersnick and Kevin Erlinson. We'll be with you again tomorrow, noon to one. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.